Welcome to another episode of the Daily World Cup Wrap-Up on the Top Order Podcast. Raj and I, a bit of miscommunication this morning. We spoke about everything in our planning session before we went on air, except for who was going to open the show. So I'll take this one really quickly. India versus Pakistan overnight. What promised to be a spectacular matchup turned into a bit of a one-way street, a procession, if you like, at the Narendra Modi Stadium. We'll wrap that up. We'll wrap up the Kane Williamson injury news, and we'll also take a quick look at the game coming up tonight between England and Afghanistan. All that and more on the Top Order podcast. Stay tuned. It's not easy operating the Riverside Media volume controls. It's a lot easier when you've got a physical. It's a lot easier when you've got a physical fader to fade out the intro music. But I did my best. Right, Raj, good job. to be on the air with you again this morning, wrapping up what promised to be a, a, an epic encounter at the Narendra Modi Stadium in front of 130,000 uh, either silent or screaming fans. Some of the uh, some of the support was well, we, we, as we expect, incredibly partisan. Um, but it must have been bizarre for some of those Pakistan cricketers to, you know, hit a four, take a wicket in front of in front of deathly silence. How did you see this game? It turned into a bit of a one way street. But how did you see it early doors with? Uh, Pakistan betting first on on what looked to be a good wicket. Yeah, just just firstly on the on the crowd, it was great to see a hundred thousand people at a cricket game. It was a massive, massive blue um blue wave, blue wall, whatever you want to call it. Um, great, yeah, great to see that people were actually turning up for games, and it was a it was a good one to turn out for at the beginning. I thought it was actually a an interesting decision to um choose to bowl first. Uh, I, I'm I'm not certain. Uh, I'm not certain that it was. It wasn't. I think it was just India wanted to chase. If I'm if I'm completely honest, I think they just wanted to chase in this game, which is something that they've been very good at over the last few years. Definitely with um, merchants like Virat Kohli, who who can chase anything. Um, mm. uh, yeah, I have no problem with them making that decision. I found it weird though. I thought they'd want to go out there, score some runs, and then um, just squeeze them. But look, Pakistan were doing the job. Uh, they they went out there. They were batting at a slower rate. Um, but they were keeping wickets in hand, which is something that we've talked about as um, something that's going to be required for this uh, World Cup. As soon as that Baba and Rizwan partnership was broken, though, I think the um, numbers there are 8 for 36, not great reading for Pakistan. Um, but initially they were cruising. I thought that they were going to um, go through and post a score that was going to be a very, very hard um, run chase for India. But um, what did you make of it? Well, really disappointing. I mean, we can we can trot out some of the audio that I recorded last time I was on air for the Top Order podcast uh, with respect to the Australian middle order collapse, but really not good enough from Pakistan to go from, what was it, two for 155, something like that, to all out 190. That's that's the real problem with some of these international sites is that they just don't have the middle order to be able to arrest a slide. And we and we talk about it in club cricket. You know, every every side talks about, you know, let you lose one wicket, let's not lose two or three wickets in quick succession. And unfortunately for Pakistan, once Bubba and Rizwan went, <clears throat> you know, it was a bit of a procession from then on in. We've got to give credit to India's bowlers. Again, it comes down to the spinners, you know, starting to dry up the runs and turning on the pressure. Jadeja and Kuldeep were outstanding. I mean, they took four for 70 off their 20 overs. India got something out of everybody. They got something out of Siraj, who was expensive early. They needed a performance from him. He was a bit expensive. There was talk in the early, I was following along on the Crick Info commentary. There was talk from a lot of fans about, you know, Shami should have come in on his home ground. Um, you know, why didn't they play Ashwin in, in, instead of Th- Shadul Thakur? 
I think it was good for India to get something out of Pandic as their fifth bowling option, their sixth bowling option. He's going to be important for them in big games later on in the tournament. So for him to get sort of two for 30, even off even off his six overs, uh, is really important for Pakistan, uh, for India to, to get something out of those guys. But again, it just comes back to those spinners. They are world-class. Is, is there a better bowling attack? It, there's certainly not, as far as I'm concerned, a better spin attack other than maybe New Zealand's. Uh, spin trio in in this World Cup because uh, they really <laughs> did, did, res- you, did you mean to call him Pandek then? Because that's a great nickname. No, I didn't. That's a great nickname. I think we've no, got to make that a thing. I, um, I, did, I did not. That was a slip of the tongue. I apologize. Was, he was actually really good uh, in his first spell, uh, getting get, breaking that um, opening partnership or. Sorry, taking the second wicket of Imam Al-Haq when he came on to bowl. I like the headband that he's wearing as well. Um, very throwback, very rocky. Um, I echo those sentiments about the, the spinners. And, and that is the, the foundation of this bowling attack for India is that they're just so dependable. Those spinners in those conditions are always going to return you a 2 for 40. One for forty, one for fifty is is the worst that thing that that, that that they'll probably return, and you know that that's actually a that's actually a good return at this World Cup, depending on what wicket you're playing on. But they were so dependable, dependable through the middle. They kept the runs down, even though wickets were in hand, and Rizwan and Baba looked looked set. Uh, Siraj, I think we've got to give him a bit of credit for coming back in that second spell, how he bowled and and removing um, Baba. That was an important wicket, and then. Jasper Bumrah, his his return through the middle. Uh, some of those balls he bowled. They, let's be honest, they just no one in the world is going to be able to keep a lot of a lot of a lot of those balls out that he's bowling. They're just hitting the top of off stump. I think the one uh, to Shadab Khan actually just took the off bail off. Didn't even touch the stumps. It's an incredible ball. Um, he, he really is a, a point of difference for India. I have spoken about it before, but I think all a good all round performance. I do think that they do need to have a look at. Shadul Takor and his role uh, within this team. He can bat, he can bowl, but he wasn't utilised that much during this game. And maybe Mohamed Shami might have been uh, another option to take. But, I mean, we're nitpicking here, I, I guess. You know, it's, it's, it was a commanding win for India in the end, wasn't it? Well, I was actually going to ask you, the next question on my list of questions was, you know, who can bowl India out? But but actually, it's it's who can survive 50 overs against this India attack at the moment. They are so lethal across the park. And we talk about... You know, a guy like <clears throat> Mohammad Shami being left out, a guy like Ravindra Chandran Ashwin being left out of the side. So many weapons at India's disposal. The question I think becomes is what how are gonna sides gonna bat fifty overs against this Indian lineup in Indian conditions? It's it's proving to be very, very difficult. Um, you know, collapses notwithstanding. hundred percent. They're probably one of the only sides in this World Cup who only need one side of the ball to fire. If they bowl well, game's over. If they bat well, the game's over. You know, they can chase anything, they can set anything, and they can bowl, bowl teams out for under under 200 consistently, as you've seen uh, in, in this game. I mean, look, just have to look back to the Asia Asia Cup final when they played Sri Lanka and bowled them out for 50 with the, with the new ball just absolutely going off there. So they're capable of doing anything with either side of the ball, which is very, very scary. Are India favourites now after three games? I mean, they've they've played Pakistan, they've thrashed Australia... Um, Pakistan probably have pretensions to, to being a semi-final contender, as did Australia, and, and they really hosed both of those sides um, and chased down scores really, really easily in both games. Are India the favourites for this World Cup now at this point, do you think? Uh, yeah, look, I think coming into the World Cup, 
they were always my favourites. Uh, actually, I, I say that with a bit of tongue in cheek. They were always my favourites. Um, England, I thought, were probably my favourites to actually win it, but that's, that was a bit um, maybe, maybe going for a little bit of a roughie there. But England with a slower start against New Zealand, uh, that's something that they're going to have to recover from. I think they will. And then obviously Australia with a sort of third line of betting for me, and they're going to struggle just to make the playoffs. But if they make the playoffs, they'll be... Um, They'll, they'll be a bit of a wild card and they're a hard team to beat uh, on their day. But look, India, at the moment, I just can't see anyone beating them. Uh, they, they are looking absolutely immense. Let's have a look at the Indian batting card now. And the most important thing, I think, for Indian fans is the return of Shubhan Gill from a nasty bout of den- dengue fever, uh, replacing Ishan Kishan at the top of the order. And, you know, even there are a couple of low scores there. Virat only got sort of 16, 17, whatever. But other than that, it's kind of business as usual for that type five or India. I, I don't think Hardik's had a bat in this World Cup yet, has he? I'm not sure. Possibly not. Um, yeah, for Shuman Gill, incredible um, for India to have him back. Uh, he looked good in the field. I like his slick new haircut as well. Very aerodynamic. Uh, Rohit Sharma, he just looks in immense, immense form. Uh, is there such a thing as peaking too early? Is he playing his, his playoff series uh, already this early in the World Cup? Well, I don't know about that. One stat that sh- that shot out at me this morning as I was reading some of the reports as I got up was he hit his 300th ODI 6 last night. 300 oh. ODI 6s. That's incredible. Um, <laughs> he's certainly not peaking too early from a from a tournament performance because he he's one of those guys that if he gets in form, he could, he could roll this form out for 10 straight games. I, I don't – or 11 straight games if they make the final. So mm-hmm. I don't think there's any concerns about that. Um, my only thing would be was maybe maybe they should give their like number six, number seven a bat, bat them at three, so at least they get some they get some time in the middle. I mean, similar to who can face India for fifty overs, who can bowl this Indian batting lineup out? They just look so imperious at the moment. Well, this is the thing. It's just one of those things where you we actually I, I liken it to bowling to the Australian order early in the 2000s you get one person out then another one comes in then another one comes in then another one comes in as you said Hardik didn't even bat Ravindra Dadeja has won games off his bat and we know Shadow with the cork and bat they just keep going down and down and down that list um Treyas Iyer it was good to see him have a good bat this time uh he looked in in good form as well when he wanted to hit the ball he really did and when he wanted to um noodle it around he was able to do that as well played some great shots off his legs uh, Kale Rahul came in and did the did the job towards the the end there a bit uh, slow. I, I was as he was batting, I was thinking um, uh, the uh, IPL IPL keyboard warrior is going to come out again, asking why he's scoring so slowly. But um, he really didn't. He was having a net quickly. though. Yeah. At that point, he was just having a net. Really, to be fair, uh, center wicket practice for for KL. Um, right, we, we've covered India significantly. Should we turn our attentions to Pakistan? Some concerns there for Pakistan, not just the collapse, but but there are some genuine concerns around some of their some of their form at the moment. Yeah, I, I think it's hard to escape that um, the concern that if Baba or Rizwan don't score the runs, who's going to do that? That's been the concern for Pakistan over the last sort of two years, maybe a little bit more. It's, and it is a valid concern because when big games come about like this, Baba and, and Mohamed Rizwan are actually have been really good at consistently scoring runs. Like they, they put together a great partnership here. Did they do their job? They got Pakistan into a great position. They didn't finish it off. 
but somebody has to come in around them and, and, and help them finish that off uh, if, if they if they don't manage to do that. And we just didn't see that this time. Uh, it is a big concern. The other one for me is the role of um, Shadab Khan, uh, who I really like, and he's been a good player for the Pakistanis for a, a period now. And he's just been missing at this World Cup. Hasn't really had a bat. I think he's only scored 34 runs, but he hasn't had many opportunities with the bat. But with the ball, he's only taken two wickets. He's gone for some runs. Uh, I think that that is a big concern in India. Their their sort of frontline spinner not being able to have an impact. Mm. I mean, huge, huge for Pakistan to be able to get something out of Shadab Khan. I mean, I think he bowled one that was sort of a a full toss that was kind of halfway up the stumps and was just dispatched for six. So, some some form concerns there for Shadab Khan. I think not not just you know is he executing his skills, but is there some 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 form concern there? I think. For Pakistan, the challenge was always going to be, can you get anything out of, or, or it's not anything, anything's a bit harsh. They didn't get anything out of 5-6-7 last night. The same, I'll just, re, again, replay the same audio I talked about in the Australia game. But but Pakistan did not get anything out of their 5-6-7, and they're going to need someone to bat with a Rizwan, a Bubba, who's going to get them an 80, a 90, a 100 in those big games because we know that they're big game performers. So it's a case of, Either Abdullah Shafiq or Imam need to bat long into the innings, and Abdullah Shafiq, being a you know traditionally a red ball player, should be well positioned to be able to do that. Although he's scoring quite quickly in this World Cup, he's been impressive. Uh, but they need to get more out of Saud Shakil, Iftikhar, or, or, and or Shadab in that in that middle order. Um, my concerns actually with their pace attack. You know, their pace attack came into this World Cup. Okay, they're missing Nasim Shah. But they've still got Harris Ralph. They've still got Shaheen Shah Afridi. They were ineffective against India last night. And I know it's a great Indian batting lineup. But actually, the concern for me as much on the batting side is on the bowling side as well. Because if you're not getting much from uh, from Shadab Khan, you need to be getting, dare I say, it, you need to be getting penetration. You need to be getting wickets taken early from those um, from those tremendous Pakistan bowlers. And they just didn't get that. Yeah, I'm not sure that's a good enough excuse to use that word uh, live on a podcast. Uh, but the um, I don't think we can judge them too harshly. The Pakistani bowling attack there, I I, I think the batsmen didn't do the job. They were always going to be up against it, especially if they didn't get early early wickets. And a number of them, like the Australians did when they played India, they were always going to be on the back foot. Hard for someone like Harris Ruff to come in second change um, and and put pressure on uh and yeah we can we saw he went at sevens so he got dispatched a little bit there uh i do have a question for you just around the batting of pakistan there do you think that we should be more critical of the fact that they didn't get to, to 250 300 they actually built a solid platform and i, I would expect more from the likes of iftikhar muhammad nawaz and, and shadab there down the bottom just like we've seen with the the tales of of teams like australia i know the batsmen didn't go on there and score those big numbers but they actually put the team in a position where they actually should have put something really competitive on the board i completely agree with you i mean if you have a look at it so when Bubba was dismissed, it was two for a, or just before Bubba was dismissed, they were two for 150 with 20 overs to go. So if you think of that classic kind of, you know, take the score at 30, 32 overs, double it, and then take away 10 runs for every wicket you've lost, they're looking at 280 at that point. Mm. The fact that they were then bowled out for under 200 
is a is a massive disappointment for their batting unit. And and their unit their batting unit should be disappointed with that effort because they were two for 150 all out 190 10 overs later. Like you said, eight for 36 was the collapse. That's very very disappointing for their batting unit. And and their batting unit should look at that and be and be very very disappointed. It shouldn't be up to two players to score 75%, 80% of their runs. And I mean, in this case, if you have a look at it, <clears throat> the top four scored 156 out of 190. The rest of the the rest of the bottom seven contributed less than 40. So that that would be the the very very disappointing uh, outcome for Pakistan, and something that they're going to have to correct very very soon because they've got some tough matches coming up. Um, do you have anything else to talk about before we move on to some New Zealand disappointment? No, nothing else really, other than just to maybe have a look at what's coming up for for Pakistan and for India, because there's some big games coming up for both sides. India have got Bangladesh next, which they'd expect to win and win handsomely. Um, and then they've got New Zealand and England, so two huge games for India. And I think will give us an indication of where New Zealand and India, uh, New Zealand and England sit, sorry, as much as anything else. So um, huge games coming up on the slate in the next sort of week and a week and a half. Um, and then for Pakistan, they've got Australia next. So a, a case of uh, both, uh, well, both batting lineups and both bowling lineups maybe a, a little bit underdone or not performing as as we'd expect. Um, then they've got Afghanistan, a game that Pakistan would expect to win. And then they've got South Africa, again, two sides that would have pretensions to being in that semi-final spot. So, you know, they have got some big games coming up where they're going to need to find something from their bowling attack and then they're going to find something from their from their batting unit as well. Yeah, well, um, just on, on Pakistan. So they've got Australia, South Africa, Bangladesh, New Zealand, and England to play, and they probably need to win three uh, three of those games. Uh, three of those games they need to win in order to sort of challenge for that um, playoff position. And unfortunately for them, they're playing New Zealand and England uh, towards the, the last two games that they have, which means they can't really push for run rate. Um, they, they need to sort of set their run rate up uh, over the next uh, game against uh, Afghanistan. Oh, sorry their second game, sorry, the game on the 23rd of October against Afghanistan. That's when they need to sort of look at that run rate because it's going to be hard to do it against England and New Zealand in the back end. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, their their net run rate is is negative now and the top three sides, India, New Zealand, South Africa, all have healthy, positive net run rate. You'd think that England would be able to boost that tonight against Afghanistan. Um, That's going to be an interesting game to see how that pans out for England, but they'd be targeting a big win. So, if Australia and Pakistan are going to challenge for the semi-finals, they're going to really need to take advantage of games like, you know, October twenty-three against Afghanistan, uh, October thirty-one against Bangladesh for mm. Pakistan. Those are the games they're going to really need to win and win big. Um, <clears throat> so, so let's let's move on and we'll deal with some not quite positive news for New Zealand cricket fans. If you're waking up this morning um, and tucking into a diet of bacon and eggs and rugby World Cup quarterfinals. Um, some not great news that you want to share with us, Raj, around uh, Cane Watch again. 
Yeah, disappointment on um, Kane, Will- Kane Williamson's injury. Uh, it looks to be a flat fracture, confirmed as a fa- fracture. Uh, he will remain with the World Cup squad, though, and there is the possibility that he will be available at the back end of pool play, which which is a, a positive, um, but you know you don't know what kind of form he's going to come back into, and you don't know if there are any complications with that, that injury. It just seems like such a needless injury that he got uh, running between the wickets. Um, Tom Blundell will be travelling over to India as cover for Kane Williamson. What do you make of that and the the effect to New Zealand, Baldy? Oh, look, a huge shame for Kane to come back so successfully from that horrific knee injury to get himself fit, to get himself right for the World Cup um, into a New Zealand side that was firing on all cylinders at the time and now to be out um, with a with a thumb injury is is devastating for him and really disappointing for New Zealand and all their New Zealand fans who have got now high hopes having uh, New Zealand gone 3-0 and to start the tournament, including you know some, some big wins in there. If we have a look at the draw, though, their last game is on November 9, and the last pool game is India-Netherlands on November 12, which is almost exactly four weeks since the injury took place. So if if Kane is to recover... I think if you if you put a four week time frame on it, that would put him back at the end of pool play, ready for a semi final potentially. Um, so any any less than four weeks, and he might be back for their last pool game on November 9th against Sri Lanka. Um, other than that, it would be the semi final or the final for New Zealand. So um, look, a very very disappointing injury for them, but there's still hope for New Zealand fans. Uh, that he may make it back for the end of pool play and or the finals. If we're looking at something like a four, four and a half week recovery time, we'd be right on the cusp of that, of that semi-final. And for those people out there that would say, we shouldn't be unsettling the, which I have heard, we shouldn't be unsettling the the team lineup. He is definitely a walk straight back into number three for New Zealand, no matter when he's available. Even if it's just the World Cup final, he is walking straight back into that side and batting at number three. Am I correct? Oh, 100%. I mean, Will Young was unlucky to miss out the other night against Bangladesh, really. I mean, he's had a reasonable start to the tournament. Um, and he's probably going to be the man to miss out. Maybe Mark Chapman, maybe Will Young, but... But whoever it is, Kane walks straight back into that side. Ravindra slots into the opening spot or down to number seven, um, and away New Zealand go. So I think there's there's you know there's no doubt about that. He's going to walk straight back into that side whenever whenever he is is fit. Take us home, yeah. Raj. No, I, I think we, I think we I think we've covered it. Uh, England Afghanistan tonight. A cakewalk for England. Is there anything that they that they w- want to see out of that side? Are we going to see any Ben Stokes, or is he going to remain in in mothballs and, until he's really needed and you know against maybe South Africa next time out? Yeah, I haven't got the tea on that one actually. I, I think that if he is, he he will want to play if he is available. Uh, whether he's in the plans, I, I don't know. I think that England will want to make a statement though. They obviously started off on the back foot against New Zealand, and this is all about. This is going to come down to run rate by the looks of things. They will want to go out there and have a dominant performance. So, I, I, and I think they, I think they that they will. Um, so I'm looking forward to watching that game and uh, talking about it tomorrow morning. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining us again on the Top Order podcast. I've had a great 20 minutes again with Raj on a Sunday morning. For those of you who are right into this World Cup, there's plenty of great action coming up. England, Afghanistan tonight, Australia against Sri Lanka tomorrow night, um, and then some some double headers coming up your way 
um, in that fourth round of, of fixtures. Uh, it's proving to be a tournament that, that's going to be determined, we think, by net run rate. But who knows? It could be completely different uh, this time next week. So thank you very much for joining uh, us here on the Top Order podcast this morning. Uh, we look forward to your company again soon. Take care of yourselves and each other and keep enjoying this fantastic slate of cricket games that we've got coming up in this World Cup in India. Talk again soon.